0: Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Hot Take Podcast for episode 27. On today's show, we discuss the All-Star Game, its starters, reserves, replacements, and snubs. And for our Hot Take segment, we discuss Lakers' troubles, the Nets' success, and Philly in the rearview mirror. To end the show, we discuss Kyrie Irving's take on the NBA logo and it being possibly changed, or should be changed, to Kobe Bryant. Enjoy. Enjoy.
1: up everyone and welcome back to Hot Take where I along with my co-host Nat and Lawrence give you our hottest takes on all things NBA. Just to kind of let people know uh, originally we had recorded on Tuesday night the 23rd. Uh, we had some minor technical difficulties so we're here re-recording this episode with some updated information because again you know with the NBA there's always new stuff popping up And that's actually what we're going to jump into right now. The first thing I want to ask you guys, right? The first thing I want to get into that kind of bothered me a little bit, but I want to get your guys' take on it. Lawrence, if you are in the heat of a game, you're down two points. There's a few seconds left. Your team gets the steal, and you're on a fast break. Three, maybe four on one. Do you go for the game-tying two? Or do you take the game-winning three? I feel like he. It also depends who shoot, like
2: who's the shooter, um, but I guess in most cases you gotta go for the game time too. Give yourself a chance in overtime to win the game.
0: What about you, Nat? Okay, so obviously I know what this is alluding to, but I'll just keep it simple. Um, when when you had that three to one, you know, three on one break, fast break. The, the the most simple thing is to go for the for the game tying shot. Higher percentage shot means you know obviously that's a better one to take you, you know. But in this game, thanks to Steph Curry and his magical shooting abilities, people have wanted to go. They chase the three. It, it's it's more magical. It's more attention grabbing. But in a simple answer to your question, go for the two, tie it up, and go to OT. I,
1: I bring this up right because for people who don't know or haven't seen it yet. Last night, the Denver Nuggets, who were the Denver Nuggets playing last night? The Denver Nuggets were playing playing the Washington Wizards, who are currently on the win streak, right? And they they were up by two final seconds. They missed a shot, which led to a fast break. Jamal Murray gets the ball, brings it down court. He kicks it to, I don't even know how to pronounce his last name, honestly. I really don't. Um, Carabazo or something like that I don't know sorry for butchering your name I apologize but nevertheless he kicks it to him Michael Porter Jr. is in the corner everybody's at the three-point line and he takes the shot as time expires and wasn't even really close honestly now for me I feel like in that situation I, I also asked this to this this question to our friend AJ and this is what AJ had to say. AJ said that in a regular season game and not trying to clin- uh, clinch a playoff spot, I'm going for a three. Playoffs, I'm going for a two to tie the game. That makes sense to me. I can vibe with that. I get that. Right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's it, it started off as a three-on-one break. But it quickly turned into a four-on-one. And all four players are at the three-point line. That's where I have an issue with it because my response to AJ was I don't mind them taking a three point shot if a it's your best shooter or a pretend, you know somebody that can actually shoot the ball like I wouldn't be mad if Jamal Murray took that shot I wouldn't even be mad if MPG MPJ took that shot with that said part 2 mm-hmm. or b or whatever I said that I have an issue with is the fact that nobody went to the rim it's kind of like logic where Let's say, for example, the three of us are in a fast break, you know, three-on-one situation. Let's say Lawrence is taking the ball up. Let's say he passes it to Nat to take the three-point shot. I'm going straight to the rim because if Nat just so happens to miss, I'm going to tip it in. So at least you get the tie the tie game and you send it to overtime Yep, to give your team at least a chance to win in overtime. That's what I would do personally. But to sit there and see four players sitting at the three-point line – I was I was dumbfounded. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, this is astounding. I've never seen anything like this before. You know, I feel like a lot of this could be attributed to, you know, everybody said it's Steph Curry. Steph Curry changed the game even before Steph Curry. I'm talking about Timo Cruz from Coach Carter, you know, on a fast break pulling up from three. Like, that was very Timo Cruz. You know what I mean? Like, it's yep. i feel like we're so accustomed in to to how the nba is now where you live and you literally live and die by the three and i feel like it's a little bit sad because you you're giving you you kind of gave the game away you had the perfect opportunity for the easy basket to tie it at least you know or like i said take the three point shot but have somebody near the rim Tip it back in. Nobody would have been around. If Michael Porter Jr. went to the rim, nobody would have been around him. He would have had the easy, you know, put back. Easy. And, like, I don't know what it was. It's like Jamal Murray kind of hesitated a little bit, and then the other dude kind of fumbled. I don't know. It it was just not a pretty ending to that game. Congratulations to the Wizards, though. They definitely earned it. Um, They're on that win streak. I think they even beat your Lakers, if I'm not mistaken. (laughs) Ah, yeah i had to throw that in there had to throw that in there now that i mentioned nat's boy lebron james and the la lakers i figure the next topic we can move in move on to is lawrence's boy from the new york knicks the rookie obi toppin was announced today that he will participate in the slam dunk contest during the all-star halftime Show, I guess if you want to call it. Lawrence, what's your take on your boy Obi in the dunk contest?
2: I love it, man. The dude can get up. Uh he he has power, uh, throwing the ball down. So I'm excited to see what he can do, uh, to put on a show in the all-star uh slam dunk contest.
0: Now, how do you feel about it? I mean, it's a great opportunity for Obi Toppin, but ever since your boy D Wade gave uh the hey. game away to Derrick Jones oh, hey. with that nine score. I, I I have no trust. I have no faith in the dunk contest anymore. I think it's rigged, honestly. Um, so even though he's in it, uh, man, you know, good luck to him. I, ho- I hope D-Wade is not scoring that game or a, a guest judge. Um, you know, so, so hopefully, hopefully it's a fair game. Uh, yeah, like Lauren said, you know, great bounce, athletic, can jump really high. Uh, I'm sure he's creative too, so that would be a good one for, for all of us to see.
1: I wonder if he'll be like Amari Sotomayor. He has so many comparisons to Amari Sotomayor. Yeah. And if you guys remember when Amari was in the dunk contest and, you know, Steve Nash doing headers, you know, to him, you know, for the alley-oop, which was pretty dope. Nobody's seen that before. You know, I want to see how creative he could be. There's some other, One of the other major names that's been, like, seesawing whether or not they're going to participate is Zion. Zion Williamson has been in talks of, you know, people asking him straight up if he's going to do it. And, you know, he says he doesn't know yet. Would you, Lawrence, would you like to see Zion Williamson in the dunk contest?
2: I feel like that's just like an automatic yes. Like we've been seeing highlights of this kid since he was in like middle school, you know, and the bounce that he has, the, you know, like the crazy dunks he can throw down. Yeah. Like even in pregame, like when there were fans allowed in the stadium, like people were going so they could see him throw the yeah. ball down, you know? So, I mean, like, exactly. even more so, like, on the biggest stage, you know, nationally televised, like, what are you going to come up with? Because we know you got the bounce, you got the power, you got the creativity. Like,
0: I think he can put on an absolute show.
1: Now, would you want to see Zion in the Dumb Contest?
0: Of course. But I, I feel like based on his reactions to <laughs> media right now, I think he doesn't want to do it. <laughs> He's saying, like, oh, you know, we'll see. We'll see. But I, I, that kind of sounds like a no to me. So um, if he does, obviously that'll be captivating. But again, the dunk contest at a halftime show, a like halftime segment, like how is that gonna even work? You only have like well, like 15, 20 minutes to even actually maybe even less than that. So I don't know how it's gonna work, but hey, they'll they'll figure it out. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they have something, you know, planned for how long the
1: halftime show will be. I personally would love to see Zion. You know, I always have this thing, I guess. Call me an old head or whatever the case is. I feel like if you are truly, you know, one of the greats, you participate in the slam dunk contest. You know, MJ did it. Kobe did it. You know, uh, Le- oh, no, wait, LeBron never did it. <laughs> I mean, you know, nope. I guess okay. I just, <laughs> show- yeah. Yeah. Dang. But I mean, you know, he, Zion's <laughs> already being dubbed, you know the you know the next chosen one. I think he should do it. I think he, you know, just to see. Personally, I know it'll never happen again, and I don't blame him. I, I agree because Nat mentioned it earlier. How many times has Aaron Gordon had to be robbed of a slum, slam dunk contest? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. It's just so sad. He he should be like the first like multi-time. You know, I know there's been like back to back. He should be at least, you know, three or four time Slam Dunk champion, hands down. Mm -hmm. In recent years, I I think the I haven't seen a a creative Slam Dunk contest like Aaron Gordon since Jason Richardson did it when he played for the Golden State Warriors. And like when he did it, you know, he was doing things that had never been seen before. The person who did it before him was Vince Carter because Vince Carter was doing things nobody had ever seen before. I feel like Aaron Gordon is like in that. Stratosphere of like yes. all time, hands down best slam dunk contest champions, or you know should be champions. Mm-hmm. It's just so sad. I, I really, I really hope he he does. Lawrence, would you want him to do it?
2: Oh, hands down. You know, like I know he he said that he you know doesn't want to do it anymore because he's been robbed so many times. But like the man is just so creative. Like I think my my favorite dunk that he's done was the. Under both legs uh into like over the mascot over the mascot like that was unbelievable Agreed. like how did he not like, like ugh, that should have won in the contest right th- right then and there but you know robbed
1: I feel like even like his first like what two three dunks in last year's contest were enough to already name him the champion it was just that little you know his last dunk over taco i th- I still think he should have won it last year. Hands down, he should have won it last year.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, no, nothing against DJJ, but uh, it should have been Aaron Gordon. Since we're talking about the All-Star games earlier this week or last week, uh, late last week rather, the starters were named. Um, there's a lot of hubbub about the, the All-Stars and the starters rather that people had issue with. Just for everybody's knowledge, for the West, your team captain is LeBron James. You have Luka Doncic, Steph Curry, Nikola Jokic, and Kawhi Leonard. Lawrence, for you, are you okay with that starting lineup, or would you make a change? If so, who would it be? Um, Yeah,
2: I would make one change to that starting lineup for the West, um, and that's switching out Luka for uh, Damian Lillard. Um, with all respect to Luca, you know, awesome game, uh, hell of a player. But the way that Damian Lillard has put the team on his back, you know, just how what, how what he's been able to do so far this season, just remarkable performances, you know, night in and night out. And I think he really deserves a nod for, you know, all-star starter, but, uh, you know, he's notoriously snowed year in and year out for, you know, either being an all-star or being an all-star starter. So... That's that's the one change I would make.
1: What about for you now? Would you make any changes to the starting lineup?
0: No, nah, same as Lawrence. I would I would take out Luca and and put in Dame. Um, it's it's unfair how I think even like the media says it too that it's unfair how we treat Damian Lillard man. Like he's doing it all in a you know in a not so popular area. You know Portland. Not much talks around Portland, but again like he's playing at an MVP caliber level right now, and I think we need to put some respect on his name. Uh, definitely a top tier player in the NBA. Of course, Luca. You know, so much hype around him thanks to Mark Cuban uh, is, is the one. You know, to get to the starting spot. But hey, it's 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 whatever, man. Uh, it's a it's a popularity contest. It doesn't matter. So
1: on Tuesday night, I agreed with you guys. I said you know Dame should start in place of Luca. Since Tuesday night, I think I've changed my vote a little bit of who should start in, in place of Luca. And I might get some backlash here. I don't know, but you can't dispute the level that Donovan Mitchell has been playing at. And the fact that he's brought his team to the number one seed in the West. I think that should account for something because he is the star of that team. Yeah. He, you know, when they need buckets, he's the one providing it for you. He's, he's flashy. He's high flying. He does, he does, all of the things that you need your star player to do. And I think thus far this season, he's outshined Luka Doncic. That's just my personal opinion. That's the one change I would make to the starting lineup on the East side. Your team captain is Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Bradley Beal, Giannis kumpo And then you have Joel Embiid. However, today news broke that Kevin Durant would not be playing for the all-star. He's going to be sitting out. So, Jason Tatum moves up from the reserves into the starting spot. What is your guys' take on the E starting lineup? Do you like it, Lawrence? Is there any changes that you would make to it? If so, what changes would you make?
2: Yeah, they should have put Randall in there, man. Like, <laughs> no. uh, I'm
1: joking.
2: <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> no, honestly, like e- either way with KD or Tatum in there, it's like great group of guys there. Um, they'll be able to put on a show, you know. Those are definitely the best players in the Eastern Conference, so I have no problem with.
1: What about for you now? How do you feel about this starting lineup for the Eastern Conference?
0: I love it. It's definitely the the top 5 players in the league. I'm sorry, in the Eastern Conference. Um, but in that sense though, I think Kyrie and Harden are interchangeable in the top 5 in the East. They're they're easily like, you know, I I wouldn't mind putting Harden there instead of Kyrie. But I love Kyrie, so I'm okay with this starting five. But definitely a good mm-hmm. starting five. With Tatum now there instead of uh, Kevin Durant, it's still pretty good. I don't mind it. So
1: so originally I on on Tuesday night, I said I would exchange Kyrie for James. And my argument was because Kyrie missed a number of games in the beginning of the season. There was no real reason to it. I mean, you know, that's none of my business, you you know, do what you got to do. But I felt like even in the situation James Harden was in, in Houston, he was still putting up bonker numbers. And ever since the transition to Brooklyn, those bonker numbers have just become even more bonkers. And, you know, he's leading the league in, you know, assists and the whole nine yards. Like he's truly a facilitator. I think if you put him in the starting lineup, place of Kyrie, I think it's a little bit more of a challenge. to. I don't know. I just feel like he's he's more deserving of a starting position for the All-Star game. Those are the East and West starters. Moving on to the reserves and also the replacements because there have been some replacements. Uh, We have Devin Booker. He was a replacement. Um, We have Paul George. We have Rudy Gobert. Damian Lillard, Donovan Mitchell, Chris Paul, and Zion Williamson. Also, let me just throw in there, Devin Booker is replacing um, Anthony Davis. So Devin Booker moves from being an all-star snub because he wasn't even voted in for the reserves to now being in reserve only because somebody got injured. Lawrence, what's your take on this West reserves lineup?
2: Yeah, originally uh, I had thought that Devin Booker had been snubbed um, from this all-star team. But obviously, you know, justice was brought to him. Uh, unfortunately, AD will not be able to play in the game, you know, one of the great talents in the league. But, you know, to be able to substitute him with Devin Booker, um, another talent in the league where he should have been in there in the first place, um, I really like the move. Other than that, like the West reserves are, I'm I'm happy with what they got and who they decided to bring
1: along now what about you how do you feel about the west reserves
0: honestly i'm not complaining um i agree i think devin booker should have been an all-star um chris paul i mean he's what he's doing at 36 years old is insane so you know even though people might have said eh, i don't know about chris paul it makes sense i think he definitely should, should should be there at you know this point in time um but all in all i think the west because you kind of switched out booker for ad 80s a Obviously, he's a big forward and then right. Booker's a, a guard. So when they're picking in their when, when they're picking their players, they're gonna have to change up now. But other than that, it's it's not bad.
1: Moving on to the East Reserves, we have Jalen Brown, James Harden, who we mentioned earlier, Zach Levine, first time all-star, Julius Randle, first time all-star, Ben Simmons. Originally it was Jason Tatum, but he got bumped up to starting, and in his place we have Demontis Sabonis. And after Demontis Sabonis, we have Nikola Vucevic. Lawrence, what's your take on the Eastern reserves? Okay, I'm.
2: I might get heat for this, but I, I just don't like Sabonis. You know, I don't think he deserves. Oh my god, I, I don't know why. Like even last year, I didn't think he deserved to be in the All Star game. Um, I. You know that's just that's that's my hot take. You know, we're not even hot take, <laughs> um, but I still think Trey Young <laughs> deserves an All Star spot. You know, the man can ball. The man, um, I just I love everything about Trey's game. I know some people don't like him. You know, you know, uh, for his little you know pull up for to draw the draw the foul uh, when he's going for a layup. But I still firmly believe that he belongs in the All Star game. But it's all right. I guess we have to deal with Sabanis. You know, you
1: mentioned mentioned Trey Young. Originally, right, on Tuesday night when you mentioned him, I was like, I don't like him. I don't think he deserves to be there because, you know, you can't – you're not going to win a championship with his playing style. That's not the question. The question is, does he deserve to be an all-star? So I take back my statement. The numbers that he's putting up, absolutely bonkers. I feel like, you know, I would agree with you there. I think he's deserving for consideration. Now, what's your take on the Eastern all-star reserves? I don't want Trey Young to be an all-star.
0: <laughs> um, I'm, oh, God. I'm kind of, okay. So with, with, yeah, Lawrence. So with, with Sabonis, I, I can see where you're going, Lawrence. I get it. Cause he's not really a, um, popular player to discuss or like talk about. I, I watched mm-hmm. him play the warriors a few, a few days ago and, and he was kind of like, I don't know. He didn't seem explosive. So I get it. But, um, in terms of these reserves here for the East, I like, for the most part, I like all of them, except for Ben Simmons. I don't know why. Maybe because I what? just can't stand Philly. I don't like Philly. But ben, ben Simmons, I don't know, man. I I would want one of the Heat players to be a reserve over Ben Simmons. I know I know he's been doing well. He's got good numbers, but he has no jump shot. I, I, I do not like that. Um, but then again, also, you didn't mention, Kuya, that the, the coaches picked these reserves, so they they couldn't pick their own players. So they, they they picked their reserves in their conference, and then a consensus was made, and then they had you know these seven or uh, 14 reserves for each conference. And I'm surprised Ben Simmons made it. I'm surprised Zion made it uh, from another conference, and even Rudy Gobert. But um, for the East, I like it. Julius Randle's back. Vooch is back. Shout out to Vooch. I like his game.
1: So the the argument for Sabonis is that he's a solid double double. He's averaging twenty-one and a half points per game. He's giving you more than eleven half rebounds. Night in, night out. They run their offense through him. Um he's kind of clutch, you know, in, in at the end of games. He's he's kinda I don't know what it is. He's shifty for a big man. He's shifty. He could he got range, he could pass. So I get it. I get it. I have to disagree with Nat there on Ben Simmons. Because I feel like as much, again, I always say this, as much as I dislike the 76ers, Ben Simmons has been killing it. How do you, without Joel Embiid, how do you drop 40 points on the Utah Jazz with no jumper, with no jump shot whatsoever, you drop 40 points? Absurd. And then night in, night out to go and lock down the opposing team's best player offensively? I think he's very well deserving of, um, you know, uh, at least a reserve. Uh, you know, I, you can even make the argument for him to be an all-star starter. But, of course, like you said, you know, it's it's, it's popularity contest for that. Nobody, nobody wants to see somebody without a jump shot in the starting lineup. So I get it. But I think he definitely deserves to be in the reserves. Uh, um, I love the Ju- Julius Randle. I said it since the beginning of the season, since preseason. I was preaching Julius Randle. I saw it even when he was still in New Orleans. I said, watch out. He's coming up. Everybody was like, you know, nobody was believing it, in him in the beginning of the season. But he's, man, he's averaging more points than Anthony Davis. And he's averaging more rebounds than Joel Embiid. Mm-hmm. It's only fitting that he's an all star. You know what I mean? Like much deserved, putting in all that hard work. People are making fun of him, like, oh, you know, here he is, seven years later. Like it doesn't matter. It Doesn't matter. He's an all star. I feel like you could even. Like, we talked about it before. You can make the case for him to be most improved player. You know, same with Zach Levine. I'm I'm so happy he got selected because I feel like last year he got robbed because mm-hmm. the numbers he was putting up last year were. I think they were slightly better than they are this year in terms of his uh, scoring output. And what made him more atrocious last season was the fact that the All-Star game was in Chicago and Chicago had no All-Star representative. And he definitely got snubbed last year. I'm glad he's in it this year. Those are our takes on the All-Star starters and the res- and the reserves. But my question to you guys, we kind of talked about it a little bit here and there for you guys and either you know, Western or Eastern, reserves starting, whatever, East-West, is there anybody that you think – I know Lawrence mentioned Trey Young. Is there anybody else you feel should have been selected to the All-Star in place of someone else? You don't have to give me who they should have replaced, but just tell me who you think should have been an All-Star. Lawrence mentioned Trey Young. Trey Young is averaging almost 28 points a game, 10 assists. And I think the only knock on Trey Young right now is he ha- his team has a bad record. And in terms of growth, there's no meaningful improvement for him defensively and off- also like off ball. He's a ball dominant guard. I feel like those three things kind of hindered him getting votes or him getting selected. Lawrence, is there anybody else that comes to mind that you think should have been in contention for an all-star vote? Um. I guess
2: besides Gray Young, uh, maybe Jimmy Butler. Um, he's the heart and soul of the Miami team. He's still a star, one of the you know popular players throughout the league with the fans. Um, so I think he definitely could have gotten consideration to be in the All-Star game. But besides for them, I can't really think of anybody else.
0: What about for you, Nat? Oh, I got plenty. So Here we go. Number one in the West. In the West. DeMar DeRozan should have definitely been an all-star. Um, either him or even Shea Gilgis-Alexander from the OKC Thunder. Because they both have, even though their teams are low-key, I feel like they've, you know, ma- helped them like kind of like a dame almost, but not to his extent, but they've been that one player on that team that can kind of carry them through their games. Um, on the East, though, Fred Van Vliet. I mean, uh, come on, man. This, guy, this guy's an all-star. Mini Drake. Let's get mini Drake on the all-star game because Drake's not, you know, his albums aren't out yet. Let's at least have mini Drake out on the floor (laughs) and give us a show. So
1: So you mentioned DeMar DeRozan. DeMar DeRozan is averaging uh, about 20 points per game, seven assists. Um, You also mentioned SGA, Shea Gildas Alexander. He's averaging 24 points a game, almost seven assists, five rebounds. The only knock with Shea is that his team has a bad record. Um, right. I feel like in DeMar DeRozan's case, like, it, it's kind of sad, but, like, ever since, you know, Tony Parker, Monta Ginobili, and Tim Duncan have left, I feel like the Spurs have kind of fallen off. Like, nobody really pays attention to them anymore. So I feel like that might have hurt his chances mm-hmm. in, you know, becoming an all-star. Um I feel like there's a, there's a few more names that, you know, I could just quickly read off here. We have, like, Mike Conley. Mike Conley, you know, per 36 minutes, he's averaging 20 points, four rebounds, seven assists, while shooting 60% from the field. Um, for another person from the West, we mentioned SGA. There's also De'Aaron Fox. De'Aaron Fox is putting up, you know, big, mon- uh, big numbers, showing that he's worthy of that money that he signed during the offseason. He's averaging 24 points a game more than seven and a half assists, you know, per 36 minutes. Um, Another Western player that you have is uh, Christian Wood. Christian Wood is a solid, you know, 22-10 while shooting 50% from the field and 40% from deep. You know, he's got crazy shooting numbers. He's another one that was a candidate for our most improved player. You know, he's a double-digit. He's almost doubled his career points and rebounds in this season alone. Like, he went from 11 points a game to now 22 points a game. Like, that's crazy to me. That's bonkers. I know the person from uh, the West. I have two more from the West that could have potentially been all-stars. One is John Moran. John Moran is probably one of the most electrifying players because of his height, because of his size. His team is not bad. Like, they're doing pretty well. He's averaging – I think the only knock for him, though, is he's only averaging 19 points a game, but he has eight assists a game. On top of that – he has poor three point shooting, which I think kind of hurt his his chances of becoming an all star. And the last person I just wanted to throw it out there, but I know he wouldn't have been able to play anyway because he's out with an injury. Is CJ McCollum? Because at the beginning of the year, this guy was going off. I think he should have got some love, you know, some votes, even though he is injured. You know, a lot of people are voting for injured players anyway. I think he should have got some love for the East. Some all star snubs, you know, that were named. You have Chris Middleton, right? He's shooting – he's part of that 50-40-90 club, you know, 50% from the field, 40% from three-point, and he's shooting over 90% from, you know, the free throw line. Um, another one was Nat mentioned, you know, your your boy, uh, Fred Van Fleet. You know, in this month, he's averaging 21 points a game, four rebounds, six and a half assists per 36 minutes. And then you also have, um, I think, somebody that – Kind of shocked the NBA world is Gordon Hayward. You know, he's averaging mm-hmm. 25, 22 and a half points per game while shooting 60 percent on a team that's doing pretty well. Um, you also have Jeremy Grant. We know the story with Jeremy Grant. He's another one that we said could be most improved player. He's putting up, you know, 23 points a game, five rebounds, three assists, and he's shooting well all around. And then uh, I-, I left out somebody from the West. That's Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram has been doing really well, you know, him mm-hmm. alongside Zion, putting up 24, 5 and 5. And then um, to round out the East, I also took note of Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler. Bam, the, the only knock for these two, number one, Miami has a bad record. Number two, in Jimmy Butler's case, he missed 12 games. So, like, I don't think, you know, it, it would be. You know, uh, hypocritical of me to be like I don't think Kyrie should be an All Star starter when he missed games, but you know Jimmy should be a reserve when he missed twelve. You know <laughs> what I mean? So um, the other, the last one for the East that was considered a snub was Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris is averaging twenty one and eight. You know those, those are solid numbers. However, the only knock for Tobias Harris is Philly already has two All Stars. You know those are their their superstars there was no way Tobias Harris was going to get votes to be an all-star. Mm-hmm. Um, just based off some of those names that I gave you, Lawrence, is there anybody in particular that stands out to you that, you know, you're like, oh, wow. Like, I think that you can make a case for that person.
2: Yeah. I mean, Gordon Hayward, I know we, we've given him a bunch of shade on the beginning <laughs> of the year, but he really, you know, made his own or made a name for himself yet again in Charlotte, uh recreated himself. He's putting up big numbers, helping a team uh make a playoff push. So that, he definitely I think he should have deserved some more uh recognition now that you say it.
1: What about for you Nat? anybody that, that stands out you know on this list?
0: I mean not not really. They're they're all you know pr- proper snubs, you know, so to speak. But oh. I I do feel like <laughs> I do feel like um I'd rather see John Morant in the All Star game than Zion. I mean, that's just my opinion that at this point, like, like, (laughs) wow, Jaw's more important to his team than Zion is to the Pelicans. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I do like these lists though of all-stars on both conferences. They're, they're, they're both decent, but
1: yeah. So those are our takes on the upcoming all-star game. If it does even happen, you know, who knows? We don't know what's going to happen. Um, but before we can even get to the All-Star game, we kind of have to discuss, like, how some teams have been doing thus far this season, some big surprises, some that kind of caught us off guard. And I remember distinctly, you know, the beginning of the season, particularly for Nat and for Lawrence, it was like, without a shadow of a doubt, LA was going to be the team to beat, right? Right. They were the team to beat, but of course, injuries to Anthony Davis, Dennis uh, you know, Schroeder, there's there's some injuries here and there. Just like with every other team. And my I want to ask Nat this first, being the Lakers fan that he is, for the LA Lakers. What do they
0: need or who do they need? What's your take? That that question could not have been more rhetorical. They need Anthony uh, uh, Johnson Davis. I don't, what, I don't know what his name They need Anthony Davis, <laughs> all right? They – I'm telling you when – because because in this league right now, you need two stars to compete, to be to, to be a contender. You need two stars. You know, like LeBron at age 36 can't do it by himself. Obviously, the, the Clippers got Kawhi and PG. Um, the Jazz have Rudy and, and Donovan. Um you know the Mavs even had Luca and, and and KP. So I mean, you you need a duo to to even get you know somewhat far in the playoffs. So right now, as we speak, it's it's disheartening to see the Lakers lose and even get blown out sometimes in their games. Um, when when your when your go to option <laughs> for scoring is Montrez Harrell, who is on the bench, who is your sixth man. I mean what 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 do you expect from this guy he I think and then, and then when when uh, when Kyle Kuzma scores more than LeBron James in game at, at a game at a certain point in the in the second or third quarter, <coughs> that's a concern that that should be a concern um but at the same time though I feel that that what what the media and the fans put on LeBron James to do at 36 you know to to lead a whole team I get it he's he's the goat to many of us not to, to some people here in, the, in this call but I I think that when it comes to LeBron James we need to we need to ease off on on the standards here he's he's doing his best <laughs> but you need two people so you you need two people and, and it can't work without ad so while we say that a, a healthy uh, a Lakers team right now is the team to beat at the time of you know the season a fully healthy Lakers team is the team to beat. I think mm-hmm. so. That's my take. That's my little rant of the Lakers right now. I'm sure they'll hopefully get a win in the next two weeks. I hope they get a win at least. They can't lose 10 games. That's, that's, <laughs> that's not feasible for any of us. But yeah, that's it.
1: <laughs> Lawrence, what, what's your take? Do you think, you know, is it something that they need internally or do they have to go outside, like, you know, shop around? What's your take on the Lakers?
2: Oh yeah, they definitely got to do some shopping. Um, whether that be on the free agent market, the trade market, or I'm talking like the black market, they got to get AD a new Achilles. I don't know if the black market can uh, <laughs> supply that, but if they can find one, they they got to do that. You know, like if they got to go, like I don't just find some random person on the street slash their Achilles. Like we need this for AD. I'm sure they will be like, yeah, that's oh fine. Gosh. Go ahead, take it. <laughs> I don't need it. I don't. Know, sorry, that's getting graphic, but that's they need an Achilles man for AD. Um, if not, they need a a sound replacement for him. Um, whether that be trade, you know, they sign a free agent that hasn't signed yet. You know, we hear Andre Drummond, we hear uh, you know Blake Griffin, we hear Demarcus Cousins as possible names. Um, whoever it may be, they they got to find a replacement because LeBron needs some help, man.
1: I mean, I, I, I fully agree that, you you know, LeBron can't do it by himself. Um, Matt mentioned that you need two, two all-stars in order to make any type of noise. Um, and especially with how competitive the West is becoming, namely because of the Utah Jazz. I think the three of us have seen how ridiculous the Utah Jazz can be, how well they can play, especially when they're fully healthy because – I'll be the first one to admit and to apologize to the Utah Jazz because prior to the season, I had them at the bottom tier of the West. And I failed mm-hmm. to take into account them being fully healthy because when they went into the bubble last season, they weren't fully healthy. They were missing key pieces. And to see them at full strength and to see what they're able to do, it honestly really is truly scary. Like It's wild to me. I mean, no, no offense to – to that, but we saw how they dismantled the Lakers. Granted, the Lakers are not at full strength, but nevertheless, like they're, I'm I'm petrified right now because Miami's playing Utah today, and I'm scared if if they beat the Lakers by twenty, how much <laughs> are they going to beat the Heat by? You know what I mean? Like I'm a little bit scared. I'm not afraid to admit that. Um, but definitely for the Lakers, I think it's just one of two things. One, they need AD back and healthy. So take your time. Don't rush anything. Don't you know? Dennis is going to be back soon. Which is, I think, will be a tremendous help to them. And thirdly, I also feel like, you know, when the Lakers lost to the Miami Heat, I'll say that again. When the Lakers lost to the Miami Heat, um, you know, you can kind of see LeBron and like LeBron's, you know, his, the, he does that LeBron thing where it's like he's assessing the situation and like what they could do next time. So I feel like he's taking note of little things. So that when everybody's back, they're fully healthy. This Laker team is going to be completely different than what we've been seeing. You mentioned, you know, having at least two All-Stars, at least two. One team that keeps coming up because they have three is the Brooklyn Nets. So I want to ask Lawrence for you at this point in the season, the Brooklyn Nets, are they a big deal or are they no big deal?
2: I think you got to say they're a big deal. Um, they're on this. What it's an eight game winning streak now. Uh, they've won, and one of the, seven of those eight games they've won without KD. Um, and you can make a case for KD being like the best player in the league, um, uh, right now. But the fact that they're they they are doing that without KD is insane. And they're not just like beating these like cupcake teams. They're beating like the top teams in the league. You um, know they take they took down the Lakers they took down the Clippers uh, who else like the, the Kings you know they had that West Coast run and they swept the the whole West Coast trip um, I think another important and scary thing to note is that they're having fun um, you see like Kyrie uh, James Harden the entire bench exploding whenever there's a flashy play um, I saw something today earlier that I think. Kyrie hit a three over Tyrese Halliburton and Halliburton came out and told the media is like, yeah, (laughs) Harden told Kyrie, Kyrie is like, may I have this dance, you know, it's like stuff that little stuff like that, that just builds the chemistry that they have. And, you know, if you have a talent, talented team with chemistry uh, that's having fun. Oh, that's, that's scary news going, uh, you know, into the
0: depths of the season. Now, how do you feel about this Brooklyn Nets team? Big deal, no big deal. First off, I'm mad at you, Kuya, Cause every time, every time that you've said that they're no big deal, that like you, you don't worry about them, they get they, they get better. They they get better every time you say that that it's it's no big deal. It's it's kind of like it's kind of like you just add fuel to the fire, man. like I think they they hear you through your devices and they're like, you know what, we have to prove this guy wrong. Like we we, we have to show him what's up. Um, and, and, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to repeat what I said on Tuesday when I say that I don't ever want to hear you say that the Lakers <laughs> are stacked when there's a team like that on the, <laughs> in the Eastern conference, Yes. okay, who's, who's doing just as good without their best player. Okay. I, I don't want to hear, you know, Lakers are stacked when, when this team is like mega stacked. Okay. I mean, then again, LeBron did do this to himself with that turn around three against the Rockets when James Harden was still there. But again, it's, it's, you know, it's crazy how good this team is without Kevin Durant. See Joe Harris. He's a sniper from downtown. Um, Jeff green is uh, a pretty um, athletic, you know, power forward or small for whatever he is nowadays. And then um DeAndre Jordan, he's kind of finding his groove. He's a good the de- defender, good, good uh, rim protector. Um, I just I just see this team going far. I know you have Philly over the Nets, but I think you're heavily mistaken. Um, yeah, the Nets are a big deal, man.
1: So Nat already gave away my standing on the Brooklyn Nets. And my <laughs> argument is, you know, the, to me, the Brooklyn Nets are right now. As of right now, I'm not overly concerned. I don't see them as a big deal. And the reason why I feel this way is because – I've been wrong about teams like them in the past. As Nat mentioned, you know, stacked teams, right? But let me just give some a brief history lesson here. Let's, let's go back to the 03-04 NBA season. The LA Lakers had a team comprising Kobe, Shaq, Carmelo, Malone, and Gary Payton. They were the favorites going into that season to win it all. They made it to the finals and they lost in five to the no-name Pistons, bunch of no-names, people that nobody knew who they were. Then you have the 2010-2011 Miami Heat. My Miami Heat, right? You have LeBron James, oh. Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh. At the time, arguably three of the best five players in the league, and they lose in the NBA Finals in six to the Dallas Mavericks. You have the 2012-2013, again, LA Lakers. This time, they're stacked with Kobe, Dwight Howard, Paul Gasol, Steve Nash, all Hall of Famers. They lost in the first round of the playoffs. Then, we're talking about the Brooklyn Nets, 2013-2014. Everybody was scared of the Nets because they had Paul Pierce, they had KG, they had Darren Williams, they had Joe Johnson, and they had Brooke Lopez. They lost in five to the Miami Heat. We could even take it to, you know, like, you, you mentioned... Um, how Lawrence, how, you know, it's like they're having fun. The Brooklyn Nets are finding their groove. They're having fun. They're joking. They're all lovey-dovey and all this and whatnot, the whole nine yards. If you guys remember, the Golden State Warriors were just like that when KD was there. That first season with KD, they were all lovey-dovey. Everything was going great. Everything was running smoothly. They were winning a championship. They won another championship, but in a three-year span – it came down crashing and it came down crashing real quick this is why i feel like the brooklyn nets as of right now to me are not a big deal i also say this because going back to that 2010 2011 miami heat team they started the season 8 and 9 and they went on this crazy you know 20 plus game win streak and then they only to lose it in the in the nba finals My reasoning for why I feel like this team is not a big deal is chemistry. Yes, Um, you know, they've played together before. You know, KD and Harden have played together before. I'll just finish this idea before I get to that. They've never played with Kyrie (laughs) before, you know, on this level. You're talking about the course of a full NBA season, and you're talking they haven't hit adversity yet. Like, oh, KD's injured. Yes. Yes, Kyrie missed a few games. They haven't hit true adversity yet. And I think in those times, that's when you're going to see true colors. You're going to see true feelings. You're going to see how that translate onto the court. Matt, what did you want to say?
0: I get it. I like that history lesson. I, I like the teams that you presented me that, that were stacked, but, but didn't make it far. But I have to ask you this question, the simple question. Have we ever seen a team with this offensive talent as in each one can have their eyes closed and, and put up a shot and make it or, or, or these players create their own shot. For them. Have we ever seen this kind of offensive talent? All, you know, all in one team, three players, you, you, you mentioned, you know, Kobe Nash, Dwight Howard, you know, but Dwight Howard isn't a scorer, you know, like, like there's to, for most of those teams, there's at least one person that can't score or, you know, be a good scorer. This team here is on This team, they've got Kyrie Harden and Durant. You know, like if if one's not feeling it, they can just toss it to the other guy, and we'll just put up a shot and make it. Simple as that. So what? So what is your response to that?
1: The 2010-2011 Miami Heat team. Again, you had three of the best five players in the league, all who could give you scoring. Chris Bosh was a double-double machine. He was averaging, you know, 24 points, you know, 12 rebounds a game when he was in Toronto. Dwayne Wade was holding his own. He was a and you know Finals MVP. He was. You know the all-time leading scorer for the Miami Heat. Then you have LeBron James. We all know how great LeBron James is. You put the three of them together on the same team. What did you notice about their team, right? Especially early on in the the going, you had, okay, it's your turn to score. Oh, I'm not feeling it tonight. It's your turn to score. What happened when it came down to the NBA Finals? You couldn't play that way. You had to distinctively say who is going to be the go-to person. They all agreed it was LeBron James. I get it. The argument to that is, James. you know, Kyrie said, James Harden can facilitate. I'll, I'll be the shooting guard. I'll let him run point. I'll be the shooting guard. So they're already deciding, you know, who's going to do what and how they fulfill that position. But at the end of the day, we discussed this on the show before. At the end of the day, I feel like great defense, again, call me an old head, you know, I, I know it's cliche, great defense is always going to win over great offense. Great offense might be killing it for one game. For example, let's say, just just to throw it out there, let's say it's a Brooklyn Nets, LA Lakers, NBA Finals, right? Let's say in one game, the the Nets blow out the Lakers by 20 points. I promise you they won't be able to do that four games in a row, especially when you have the savviness of a LeBron James and the defensive prowess of Anthony Davis, Let's, let's – I'll take it even I'll, – let's I'll take it back, a, you know, a little bit. Let's even say it's the Philadelphia 76ers, right? The S- Philadelphia – the reason why I like them over Brooklyn is because of the defensive matchups. You could put Ben Simmons on any one of those three guys, and he will lock them down. Now, the argument is, okay, what about the other two? Let's say we put Ben Simmons on James Harden. Who's going to guard Kyrie? You have guys like Matisse Thybul. You have guys like Maxi. You have guys like, you know, Seth Curry that can put up a fight. Danny Green, who could arguably put up a fight. And then on top of that, you have, you know, who's going to guard KD. You have somebody that's quick and nimble like a Joel Embiid. Or Tobias Harris, right? Or even, you know, as a backup, you have Dwight Howard. We saw what Dwight Howard was able to do for the LA Lakers last year. So I feel like defensively... Mm -hmm. The Sixers can really put up a fight and lock down all they have to do, even if they lock down just one, you know, two of those guys. You could go ahead let Kyrie go off for 40 points, let KD go off for 40 points. Those, that Brooklyn Nets team is going to have to find a way to do it four games out of a seven game series. And I don't know if they can do it against a team like the Philadelphia 76ers who have been together before, who have been down in the dumps, who have faced adversity, and now having an uh, MVP-caliber player like Joel Embiid and the defensive lockdown prowess of a Ben Simmons?
0: Can I respond? Please. (laughs) Okay. So I get it. I agree with you. Defense does win championships. But can we all agree – that playing good defense is harder than playing good offense.
1: I'd, I I would disagree.
0: Yeah, I, I can't agree with. That. I would disagree. I can't agree with that. Really, you think so? Because yes. know okay, so, why? Well, here, here's considering the. Go ahead. Go ahead.
1: Go ahead. So my my thing is with, for example, we saw Miami do it for the first four rounds of the playoffs last year. They won, due in part because of their defense. You know, it just mm-hmm. so happened that their defense mm-hmm. couldn't withstand the, the Lakers because the Lakers were a better matchup defensively than the other teams. So that's my argument to
0: that. Mm-hmm. See, I just, maybe I'm blinded by the fact that, that KD is an amazing scorer that James Harden can facilitate and score just as well. And if Kyrie can't get a shot, he can just drive to the rim and do some fancy layup package that he has in his bag and get, get a nice two points. Then you got three point snipers like uh, uh, TLC and Joe Harris, um you know jeff green's also pretty good too i'm i'm just afraid of this offensive team Uh, you know defense you know is is probably the the main thing but i mean we have to see if this team can do it in a four-game series then again you know they won eight straight games you know uh, granted different teams you know playing in this playoff series you can create defensive matchup uh, defensive plans and all that stuff but i'm just scared i'm literally scared because like last year the lakers you know, they had three points with with Caldwell Pope, Caruso. They've got drivers like LeBron James. They got up like AD. They've got Dwight and Javale. You know, in the paint, you know, um, dunking or, or you know whatever, whatever it may, may be. So there was a lot of scoring options in that team as well. Um, I think they like it now this year, ha- having no Dwight, no no Javale. Um, KCP has been off a little bit. But back to the Nets, though, I mean it's it's crazy. I mean, defense can be taught, but you know, offense is a, s- a skill that. Not many people have like KD, Harden, and Kyrie.
1: Here, here's my thing. And, Lawrence, look, tell me what you think about this, right? We're talking about the matchups, the matchups of it. And you have the Brooklyn Nets. And I talked about the defensive matchup problems that the Sixers would give them. What about on the flip side? What about the Sixers offensively and the Brooklyn Nets defensively? Who's going to guard Ben Simmons? Who's going to guard Joel Embiid? Who's going to guard Tobias mm-hmm. Harris? Who's going to guard Seth Curry? Who's going to guard Danny Green? Who's going to guard, you know, Dwight Howard. You have no center. You have no center in Brooklyn. DJ, yeah. DJ for four games in a row. You're going to rely on DJ. Like I said, when we recorded on Tuesday, <laughs> the D in Brooklyn yeah. Nets is silent. <sighs> it's
2: true. It's all fast. What,
1: what do you think? What do you think of my take? No,
2: I mean, you're completely right. Like, yeah, they can match up offensively against the the Six a team like the Sixers. They, there's no way they can match up defensively. Um, there's just no way. I'm sorry. Like Joel Embiid is a monster. He's just tearing teams apart, right? There's like, I mean, Jan, you can say Giannis can uh, is capable of stopping Embiid, but yet he still, you know, puts on an offensive show whenever he plays yeah. uh, Giannis in the box. Um, so you're gonna tell me. DeAndre Jordan could lock him down? Huh? You're telling me, I mean, maybe KD, <laughs> but like, who else? Who else?
0: Uh see, okay. I'm I'm just thinking about, you know, playoffs, that's the most important part of, of the season. When it when it matters most, right? Can can Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, or even Danny freaking green, can they give you that go-ahead shot? Can they give you that go-ahead play? Can they make that? go ahead play. I'm looking at Brooklyn. I'm looking like at Kevin Durant, Harden and Kyrie who've been in positions where they've been able to be cold-blooded and secure a win or, you know, do the dirty work in a sense on offense and create a lead or or give them a lead. And it's scary, man. Like like can we rely on Joel Embiid to take this team to the to the promised land to the NBA finals? I don't know. I don't know, cause you know we've seen him try to guard Kawhi with the game with the game winner, him crying in the uh, it's in the, in the a tunnel. And I mean, like like look, like can we lie on this guy? You know, and, and but he was playing good defense. He was playing good defense and couldn't. You know, I don't know. That's my take. This
1: is the the argument about Joel Embiid in the past. It was his conditioning. There was no way he w- you were going to get a solid Joel Embiid for four quarters. But we've seen it this season where he's different. Something happened to him in the bubble and in the offseason. Maybe it was Charles Barkley and Shaq, you know, telling him like, hey, man, you want to succeed, you got to come in better prepared, you know, in better shape. And you see it. He's playing a hell of a lot better now. And then yep. I, I saw an interview recently with Ben Simmons. And people are asking him, you know, what's what do you attribute your offensive success to? And he said he had to learn to go to that place mentally. Because you have all this outside noise. Imagine somebody as young as Ben Simmons. You have all this outside noise of people telling you, you need to shoot. You need to develop a three. You need to do this. You have to do that. Whereas he looked into himself and said, what is my strength? This is what I'm going to do, and this is how I'm going to do it. Homie's been killing it. He's been killing it offensively the last few games. And then you have the the flexibility of outside shooting with – you know, Seth Curry with Danny Green with Tobias Harris and you have, you know, the bench guys like Maxie and, you know, all these, all this talent coming off the bench. Like I feel they probably, I still fully believe they give the Brooklyn Nets the toughest matchup both offensively and defensively. That's my take. Of course, it's still early in the season. We're not even halfway through. We're going to see what happens, what transpires, how the rest of the season plays out, what happens those first few rounds of the playoffs because you also have to see the Brooklyn Nets are going to have to go through a healthy Miami Heat squad for seven games, at least seven games, or, you know, max seven games, at least four. And then you have to go through a a Milwaukee team. You have to go through, you know, an Indiana Pacers team. You have to go through the Philadelphia 76ers. It's not going to be an easy road. It's not going to be a shoe-in to the NBA finals. That's my take. They're going to they're going to have a uh, yeah. It'll be a doozy.
0: Mm.
1: Now moving on to our last hot take topic. It'll be a brief one to kind of end the show. Uh your boy Kyrie Irving brought it up and it's gained some momentum. Uh th- th- this is in regards to the NBA logo change. You know, for more than 50 years, it's been uh, Jerry West being the logo. There's been a petition for it to be Kobe. You know, it's time for a change. You know, it was nice having Jerry West on there for so long. Let's make it Kobe. What are your guys' takes on making Kobe the logo?
2: I think it's a good move, um, personally. Uh, I think he set such a precedent for, I guess, the NBA, the standard of an NBA player, right? Right. Uh, the hard work, dedication, um, passion, um, persistence, um, perseverance, and, you know, all, all these different attributes. And I guess, like, also how beloved he was as a player, um, personality-wise. And then, of course, you have to understand, like, you can't be at the logo unless you are, like, an all-time great. You can argue that Kobe's top five of all time, top ten, you know. He's up there. He has all these attributes, all these personality traits that, you know, would I guess make him a good candidate to
0: be the next NBA logo. What's your take, Matt? I I would love to see Kobe be the new logo. But I think the reason why it hasn't happened yet is because people want if there was a logo change to happen, they wanted to be MJ. And I understand he he changed the way the NBA was perceived. He, you know, is, is an icon for the NBA. Um but, you know, I feel like the, you know, if, if like Jordan's logo is kind of synonymous to his brand, I I feel like him having both the NBA logo and his own logo is kind of just a little bit redundant. I, I don't know. That's my opinion. But, you know, as the NBA logo, mm-hmm. I think Kobe is the perfect kind of silhouette because in a sense, you can kind of pick an, you know, pick a image of Kobe that kind of resembles both him and Jordan. I'm sure they have the same moves. You know, you you can kind of pass oh, yeah. it off as both. So... Mm-hmm. you know kobe being the logo you know i even saw it you know even last year this time last year people wanted that change and i was like i'm all for it like i really want kobe to be the logo and even uh jerry west is okay with it too so i mean that's a yes for me
1: i wouldn't mind it you know i'm always down for for trying new things and you know seeing some change and i, I wouldn't mind it at all um like what you guys mentioned and like how how loved kobe was and i feel like you know what an awesome way to honor him and his legacy and Mm-hmm. uh it, it, tied to that is is gg you know you i feel like if you do that you're also paying tribute to to gg and the others who you know lost their their lives that tragic day and i feel like it, it would just be a nice sentiment i think it'd be like the right thing to do um so i think we all agree you know it, it'd be nice uh will it actually happen you know we'll we'll wait and see mm-hmm. Before we go, is there anything else that you guys want to plug? Anything that we left out? Anything you want to mention? I'm good. Yep. I'm good, good too. Uh, with that said, we just want to thank everybody for listening and for you know staying tuned. Thank you for all your support. You know, Keep following us on our social media and, of course, on Spotify and Apple Music. Again, big thanks, big shout-outs to everybody for all the support. Until next week, everybody stay safe. Stay healthy. We'll see you guys next time.
0: This has been a Fuse Podcast original produced by yours truly, Nat, with music by Johnny C.